Well, I would like to talk to you on the ministry of deacons and uh, why this is very important. Those who are visitors, please bear with us. This is not the usual thing we do, but because we are appointing deacons, it is important for the church to understand who the deacons are. You know, one thing that I would like to tell you is that if you want to grow effectively, solidly, as a Christian uh, in your pursuit of spiritual life, there is a caution that I would like to give you because this is what I see the trend in many believers today in the churches is that they are only focused on what helps me personally. You know, how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, how to be a good parent, how to excel in my job or uh, how to grow in faith. It's all about me. You know, they think that if you pursue and are interested in these things, you will grow as a very good Christian. But I say that that is only a part of it. But that doesn't lead you to live a solidly, effectively fruitful Christian. What I believe is and what I have seen in my Christian life and observed many people is that those who are very effective, fruitful Christians are those whose focus is on God and who are interested in the dynamics work of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And that has certainly a great impact personally. And the reason I tell you is because you may be thinking, deacons, I'm not interested in becoming a deacon and uh, uh, I don't care about deacons. Why should I listen to them? But you need to understand that they play a very vital role in the body of Christ. And if you want to grow as a good Christian, you should be interested in God's work, in his kingdom, in his church, in his body. And it is not something that you are only concerned about what helps me personally, only in that I am interested. We should be interested in the kingdom work of God. I would like to ask you this question. Before you join the church here, how many of you heard the name? Okay, maybe this is better. Uh, before you joined EEF, how many of you have never heard the name deacon? Never heard the name deacon? Okay. Before you joined here. How many of you heard a sermon on deacon in your entire life? How many of you heard? Okay. Oh, okay, before you came to EF, sorry. <laughs> before you came to EF, how many of you have heard on deacon? Okay. Right, two brothers. <laughs> okay, four, four, five. That's it. Most of the people have never heard of who these people are. You know, um, <clears throat> it's very important for us to understand what the Bible teaches about deacons. And why you should know as a church is because the church plays a vital role in the appointment of deacons. So you should be knowing who these people are in order for you to affirm deacons in the body of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. There is one thing that I would like to tell you as I go and explain who the deacons are. And I make a very strong statement. I mean it. And there is no exaggeration to it. And this is what I would like to tell you that the church cannot function without the ministry of deacons. Honestly, the church cannot function without the ministry of deacons. A lot of people think that the church cannot function without elders but let me tell you church cannot function even without deacons and you will understand as we go ahead and listen to this and uh, i'm reminded of uh, what uh, matt smithers has 
said in his book, Deacons, you know, all those who become now, you know, every time we, when people ask me about some questions, I tell them that I'm always in sanctification. The church is also in sanctification. That means we are progressing towards betterment and excellency according to the word of God. So in the past it was not, but now anyone who becomes a deacon, it is mandatory that they read this entire book by Matt Smithers, uh, uh, Deacons. It's a wonderful book. And uh, uh, Matt says in this uh, book that a congregation without biblically functioning deacons is impoverished. A congregation without biblically functioning deacons is impoverished, but a congregation with them is incalculably rich. The church will be greatly blessed when we have the ministry of deacons. So let me go ahead and explain. Let's begin with, uh, we will see only, I think, uh, two things today, uh, and then we will um, uh, continue in the next week. I would like to begin with, who are the deacons? Who are the deacons the greek word for deacon is anybody what is the greek word for deacon yeah diaconia some say diaconia but the right pronunciation is diaconia is the greek word or diakonos the greek word for deacon and you know what is the meaning of it it means servant deacon means servant and these people are responsible for the practical acts of service in the local church. A lot of ministry takes place and the practical ministry is what is very important. And the Greek term diakonos is used 29 times in the New Testament. Isn't it interesting? 29 times it is used in the New Testament. But it is used in two contexts. And I would like to explain. The first context is that deacon is used mostly for ordinary service for the welfare of people. That's the first context that we see. And it is mostly used. 95% of the word diakonos is used in this ordinary acts of service. And let me tell you that Jesus himself says that I am a deacon. Many don't know this. You, you turn to Mark chapter 10 verse 45. Mark chapter 10 verse 45. And you can repeat with me. For even the son of man came not to be served but to serve. Diaconus. I came to be a deacon. Anyone who becomes a deacon they are imitating the Lord Jesus Christ. They are following the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Christ himself says that I came to become a deacon. I came to become a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. And by becoming a deacon, he also took the gut that nobody else took who was in such a high position to wash the feet of the disciples where he expressed his deaconship saying that you are my objects where I have come to serve. You are the people I came to die for, to serve. And what we need to understand is that Christ is the greatest deacon, a model for deacons. And not only Christ was a deacon and he exemplified deaconship, we also see that he commanded every Christian to be a deacon. And that's what we miss to understand. We see this in Mark chapter 9 verse 35. Mark 
Chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. If you want to be first in the kingdom of God, if you want to be first in the sight of God, you know the first in the sight of the world is very different, right? How can you be first in the sight of the world? You need to be in the front line. You need to be doing a very high limelighted task so that people can recognize that you are the first person. Or you should have a lot of money. Or you should have name and fame. And these are the things that we see that according to the world that you can be first. Right? Look at the YouTube channel. Who are the people who are mostly seen? Celebrities. They are in some way, you know, in name or fame, in skills, in knowledge. And in background, they are the first. And that's the reason they are celebrated. But in the kingdom of God, in the sight of the Lord, these are not the people who are considered first. The Lord Jesus said that, if anyone would be first, he must be last. If you want to do the best work in the church, do the least thing. And be a servant of all. And... Jesus said that, and this should really trigger some kind of passion in us. Lord, I want to be first in the kingdom of heaven. That means, be last. Lord, I want to be in the front line in the kingdom of heaven, which means, be a servant. Don't look for high professional jobs. I'm not talking about your secular field. I'm talking about in the body of Christ. You know, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10, even commands... Here Jesus said that who will be first or who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. But if you see 1 Peter chapter 4, we see that the Bible commands that you should be a deacon. Okay, I'm talking in the ordinary sense. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. You know what it says? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. You know again, what is the Greek word for that? To be a deacon. Be a deacon of one another. And serve one another. You know in the churches today, they always want to serve the pastors. Right? They want to feed his belly with the delicious food. And they want to give him the best offering so that you can be blessed. Oh, Tinani Pastor Garu. Because you know, you, 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 you gain fat and we will gain blessings. And that's why a lot of pastors, you know, are dying because of the fat and love that people show towards them. And we think that if you serve these people, you will be blessed. That's nonsense. I'm telling you that that's absolutely nonsense that we see in the Indian churches that if pastors pray, God will hear the prayer of that. If you give him a good offering, God will bless you richly. And if you serve him delicious food, you will receive immense blessing. That is nonsense. The Bible says that we should serve one another and pastors should be one among them. I'm glad that Ecclesia doesn't destroy pastors. It says here that as each has a gift, let him use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And let me tell you, based on what the Lord Jesus said and Peter said, I want to conclude that all Christians in general must be deacons. They must be servants of all, serving unselfishly for the welfare of others. And let me tell you a very, very important statement here. And have your minds over here, your eyes over here. And I want to tell you that you cannot have Christ as your Lord if you are not a servant of people. Are you understanding what I'm saying? 
Shall we all repeat this together? I cannot have Christ as my Lord if I am not a servant of people. It's very easy to say that I'm a servant of the Lord or servant of the Lord. But very difficult to say that servant of people. Jesus didn't say here that you become my servant. Definitely he wants you to become a servant. But if you want to become a servant of the Lord Jesus, you must be a servant of people. And that's what the Lord Jesus has commanded here. But a caution over here. Bible doesn't just speak about the uh, deaconship that we see every person should be functioning in. But the Bible also speaks about a special office in the church who are called deacons. And Alexander Strzok in his book Paul's Vision for the Deacons makes a very good caution here which I want you to consider. A church must make a distinction between all who serve the church and some who serve in the church as official qualified diaconine. It should make a clear difference between all members who are servants of all and who serve as deacons. But at the same time, there is an official recognition position in the church where they will be serving as deacons. That's, that brings me to the second section of this. Who are the deacons? The first is that everyone is a deacon. And the second, Jesus is a deacon. We should be deacons. And the second thing is, Bible scholars assume that three to four times the word deacon is used in official sense. And we see that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, right after he speaks about the qualifications of elders from verses 1 through 7, in 1 Timothy 3 from verses 8 through 13, Paul speaks about the qualifications of deacons. He begins saying, deacons likewise. Next Sunday I will be sharing with you about the qualifications of deacons, but I would like to just... Uh, Wet your appetite today to understand who the deacons are. There is also office of deaconate in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you particularly turn to Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Paul writes in his opening greetings. You know what he says? To all the saints in Christ Jesus who were at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. There are three categories of people that we see in Philippians chapter 1 verse 1. Who are they? It says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, all believers, all members of the church. And among them, he particularly mentions two offices. One is overseers. And you know what is another term for overseer? Another term for overseer, episcopoi. Come on, pastoral internship people. Bishop. Bishop. Now don't think bishop is the head of all pastors. That is only traditional understanding according to the Bible. You can call actually pastors as bishops also. There is, that is biblical in the word. Episcopoi is used as pastors and also bishop. But that is also interchangeably used for elders, pastors, shepherds. There are five titles that we see which were interchangeably used. Elders, shepherds, pastors, overseers, bishops. They were all referring to one office, not to different offices. We see a lot of, uh, you know, demarcation today regarding that, which is not biblical. We see that these are all used interchangeably to the same office. And we see here that in the church of Philippi, there were two offices. One is overseers and the other is what? Deacons. Now, how many churches today have a serious ministry of deacons in the local churches? We find that very common in U.S., but we don't see that in India. 
But there are people without a title. A lot of people are really functioning as deacons. But there should be a special recognized office of deaconate that we see in the Holy Bible. So based on 1 Timothy 3, Philippians uh, that we have seen, uh, I would like to mention some applications from here. Okay, from the above scriptures, we learn some important factors which I want you to understand. In the early local churches had two offices, right? The early local churches had two offices. What are they? Overseers and deacons. And another thing that we understand when Paul is mentioning, he said that first saints, and among the saints he mentioned deacons and overseers. And what we understand from here is that all elders and deacons are part of a particular local church. And exercise their God-given responsibilities within that sphere. Now, I'm a shepherd here. But whose shepherd am I? Whose shepherd? Some Bereka church is here nearby. I'm a shepherd of Bereka church? No. Some AG church somewhere in Sikandabad. I'm a pastor of uh, AG church. No. Some Hebron church is nearby. I'm a pastor of Hebron church. Whose pastor am I? Only Ecclesia Evangelical Fellowship. I'm not a shepherd. I'm not a universal shepherd. I'm a pakka local shepherd of Ecclesia Evangelical Fellowship. And not beyond that. Right? And we need to understand that all elders are part of a particular local church. And also, all deacons are also part of a particular local church. And they exercise their God-given responsibilities within that sphere. And this also brings us to a very important point that anyone who is not a member and a committed member of a local church cannot be elders, cannot be deacons. Cannot be. You know, I remember Mark Dever once uh, sharing about someone went to him and said that, I want to go to a seminary and get trained. And he asked him why. He said that I want to be a pastor and an elder. He said that I rarely see you in the church being active. I don't see you very active in the church. I don't see you building relationships with people. I don't see you investing your lives in discipling people. How do you think that you can go to a seminary, get trained and become an elder? Some people have a daydream of becoming elders or deacons or whatever without first being a committed member of a local church. You know what they need? They need discouragement. They need discouragement from aspiring Something God has given to those people who are first should be proven committed members of the local church. And then they need encouragement. Discourage them from aspiring for leadership if they are not committed members of local churches. And also what we understand from this Philippians 1.1 1, 1 is that elders are distinct from the deacons. They are not the same place. They don't have the same authority. They don't have the same responsibility. They don't have the same power in the local church. And I will explain to you later how distinct they are. And also we need to understand here that elders and deacons are distinct from believers. Okay, I'm, I, I, I know some people who believe that all are leaders and there is no need of a particular leader, particular deacon. Everyone is a leader. Everyone can do whatever they like. And you know what I am reminded of? The last chapter and the last verse of Judges. There was no king. Everyone did whatever they like and they ruined and what we need to understand in Philippians 1.1 1, 1 is that not only that uh, elders are distinct from deacons and elders deacons are distinct from believers, what we also observe is that elders and deacons are both in the plural form. You know, it says that to all the saints 
in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Which means every local church should have plural elders, plural pastors, no sola pastura, which is anti-biblical leadership system that we see in the churches today. Every local church should have plural elders. Now here is a warning that I give you here. Because I'm, I hear that sometimes and I'm frustrated of it and sometimes I have to tell this. When people ask who is the pastor of Ecclesia Evangelical Fellowship, people commit the sin of blasphemy by telling Stephen David. Stephen David is not the pastor of Ecclesia Evangelical Fellowship. G Stephen David is a pastor, a co-pastor. There is another pastor also along with me. So don't elevate one person above the other. When people ask you, who is a pastor? Sorry, we don't have a pastor, we have pastors. Stephen and Schenker are the pastors of Ecclesia Evangelical Fellowship. And uh, it is used in the plural form. And also we see that deacon is also used in the plural form. right? And if we look at the qualifications, 1 Timothy 3 and 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 13 and 1 to 7, what we understand is that elders and deacons must be biblically qualified to take their offices. Not any Jack and Jill can become elders and deacons of the church. No. There are biblical qualifications for them to meet. Okay. And we will be looking at the next Sunday. So I would like to take some time and explain to you. Because when you understand the responsibilities. Then the qualifications also make sense. First I thought about qualifications. Then I thought that as I was reasoning. Responsibilities will compel people to understand. How qualifications are important for these responsibilities. So the second section. Uh, that I would like to deal with you is um, uh, the, that I would like to deal with is uh, what are the responsibilities, functions of deacons in the church? Okay, what are the responsibilities, functions of deacons in the church? You know what is an interesting thing? It is very easy to find a detailed responsibility of elders in the Bible. If you read Acts 20 and 1 Timothy and uh, 2 Timothy and Titus, lots of exhortations about the responsibilities of an elder. But you know what is the interesting thing is that when it comes to deaconate, the ministry and the office of deacons, there is no detailed list of responsibilities that they have to function. And this is very plain. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's the reason Thomas Constable is one of the expository preachers. He says here that Paul said nothing about the duties of deacons. You can look at it very carefully. You don't find it. This indicates that it did not associate specific tasks with the office. He seems to have intended that deacons should function as official servants of the church in whatever capacity the elders may see a need for this. They were in effect the elders' assistants. They were assisting the elders. You know, although we don't find a detailed uh, you know, explanation about who what the responsibilities of deacons are, there are some clues that we find in the prototype of deacons in Acts chapter 7. Okay? Acts chapter 6, sorry. Please turn your Bibles with me to the book of Acts chapter 6. And these seven men, now you need to understand that a lot of people misunderstand when they read Acts 6. There is no word deacon mentioned in Acts chapter 6. These men are known as just seven men. But... A lot of Bible scholars assume and believe that these people acted as prototype of deacons 
in the establishment of the office of deaconate in the local churches. So there is something that we can learn from this man about what deacons can do. Acts chapter 6 verse 1 to 7. Please open your Bibles. This is a long passage, but I would like you to read in order for me to derive some good applications for us to understand the responsibilities, functions of deacons in the church. And this is what the scripture records. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists. Hellenists are those who were Greek Jews against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up the preaching, the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Permanus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. There is a clue that we also find in Romans chapter 16, verses 1 to 2. Romans chapter 16, verse 1 to 2. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant or a deacon of the church in Sancria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. Now you see what Paul describes about this deaconess, uh, Phoebe. For she has been a patron. In other translation, it means benefactor. She has been an immense help to many people and to many as well. And to, my, and to myself as well. He says that she was an excellent servant of the church. And she has been a great blessing and help to Paul as well as to others. So based on these two passages, I would like to draw applications about what deacons' responsibilities are. Okay? Now the first responsibility that I would like to mention, which is very strong, that we see in Acts chapter 6 is that... Deacons are relievers to the elders. Deacons are relievers. You know the word relief? What a great relief it is for me to sit on this sofa. Or what a great relief for me to have coke in this hot summer season. Relief means it speaks about some kind of comfort or relieves you from some kind of pressure. Now these are, this is what, you know, deacons are. You know, Jamie Dunlop calls these deacons as shock absorbers when you drive a vehicle what does a shock absorber do it absorbs all the pressure so that you can drive smoothly and these are what the deacons are deacons are the shock absorbers in the church so that the de the elders can lead the church smoothly without distraction now i need to tell you that relievers doesn't mean taking the place of elders that's what we see. Oh, reliever did not come. I'm in the second shift. The reliever did not come, so I have to continue the third shift also. So we think that reliever means taking the place. No, that's not what it means. Reliever doesn't mean taking the place of elders, but relieving elders from mundane pressures of church life so that they can stay focused on their essential responsibilities. That is what they do. They absorb this pressure. Now, in the context of apostles, this is what they had done. In the context of elders, what they can do, we will look at it. Right? 
Now, in the context of apostles, because they were itinerant gospel preachers and church planters. And uh, Paul says, uh, Luke records in Acts chapter 6, verses 2 to 4. Now, listen what it says in the context of apostles. And the 12 apostles summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. It's important that we need to take care of the poor and needy in the church. It's important that we need to see that the Hellenist Jews who are widows should be well fed. But in being absorbed in this charitable work, we cannot neglect the essential responsibility that God has summoned to us, which is to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what did they do? Without neglecting this charitable ministry, which is a very crucial ministry in this early church in Jerusalem, they have planned and they proposed. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, whom we, appoint, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry. Now you need to understand the word ministry again is here uses deacon or uh, deaconing the word. We want to give ourselves to the ministry of the word, the deaconing of the word or prayer and deaconing the word. And because these deacons came into picture, you know what happened? A lot of us miss this. A lot of us miss something which is very splendorous, spectacular that happened. After deacons came into the picture, you know what? Read in verse 7. Yeah, verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. You know why this all happened? Why this happened? Because deacons came into the picture. We see here that there was a problem. Problem of serving the tables, taking care of the poor widows. Right? But if apostles do that, if they get into this mundane affairs of the church, they would be neglecting prayer and the ministry of the word. And if they do that, the word will not propagate. So what should they do? They came up with their solution. What is the solution? Have seven men who can take care of the mundane affairs of the church. And what was the result? The word of God multiplied. So do you underestimate the ministry of deacons in the church? Man, they may not be in the front line. But whosoever is doing in the front line is because of the shock absorbers in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's come to the elders. Okay? What is the responsibility of elders? This is what we see. The responsibility of elders in Acts chapter 20 verse 28. It says here that Paul commands to the elders here. Now let me tell you that brothers and sisters. The word pastor is used only once in the New Testament. And where do you find that? Ephesians is a long book with six chapters and hundreds of verses. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. That's the only time you see the word pastor. You know how many times the word elder is used for church leaders? Come on pastoral interns. 20 times. Yeah, 20 times it is used. That's why we prefer calling elders than pastor because uh, uh, that is a widely used term in the church. And it says here that, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. What is the responsibility of the elders? To care 
for the church of God which you obtained with his own blood. And even Hebrews 13, 7 says that these people watch over your souls. Some people don't like them to watch over them. <laughs> they say that don't watch over me and uh, please leave me and I'm very happy in my lukewarm, rebellious, hardened state. No, brothers and sisters, if you want to be a part of the church, you need to have elders to watch over you. And if you don't want them to watch over you, you are ruining your soul. In fact, you need to be coming to elders and say that, brother, it is your responsibility to watch over me. So please take care of me. Watch over me. If you see anything that is unchristlike as a husband, wife, parent, member, colleague, sibling, please be, please have the freedom to come and confront me. I will be grateful for that. Blessed are the pastors who have such believers who give that freedom. But many people don't want to have that. You ask them about some of the very tough questions, they get offended. And some may even leave. Right? That's a very sad thing. But we see here that elders are called to care for the church of God. That's their primary responsibility. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 17 says that the primary way of how they care for the church is found in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. We see here that elders are called to labor in preaching and teaching. And some labor even more. But how will they labor in preaching and teaching? Ignoring some of the things that we have to do at the same time. You know, what is it? You, you, how many of you came? Maybe most of you have came just to sit on the chairs and enjoy the activities, right? Most of you. And there is nothing sinful about that. Please don't feel guilty. I'm telling you that most of you came. But you know what made this event to happen? Who put the chairs here? Who comes and cleans here? Who fixes everything here? Who makes sure that ACES will be running before you come here? Did you ever think about that? Some people don't even think about that. They go to the church place as if they've gone to a movie hall where nobody thinks about, you know, who put these chairs here? And uh, who might be switching on the ACES here? And who might be cleaning the hall here? Anybody thinks when they go to a movie theater? Nobody thinks, right? You just pay the ticket money and just enjoy the services of a movie hall. And many believers come to church all like that. As if there are some people whom you are paying and we don't even recognize them. We don't even say thanks to them. We don't even acknowledge them. Just come, warm up the seats and enjoy the message and the singing and just go off without ever thinking even after you go, who will be responsible to make all the arrangements back so that for the next Sunday we can come again. Very interesting. But how can this happen if elders don't have the ministry of deacons? And that's the reason I'm telling you that. You know, they care for the church of God. They labor in preaching and teaching. And today I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I wouldn't have preached this sermon today. I was preparing this sermon until last night beyond 12 a.m. Because there was so much for me to prepare. I wouldn't have prepared this sermon without some brothers who were taking care of the place here. Because you have no idea what has happened here yesterday. Right? There were brothers who stayed here until late night, 1 o'clock. Do you know that? Do you see that there are two new aces here? It's better than the last time. Some people don't even look at it. My goodness. Oh, there is AC. Okay, we are not even conscious of that. And there are brothers here who worked on to make sure that this, and they are not paid, and uh, they are not getting any offering, you are not getting anything. Just voluntarily they came, stayed here, and I was really tensed about it. And these brothers were encouraging, Anna, you, you make sure you prepare. I had membership class yesterday night at 9 o'clock. 
and then uh, continued preparing my sermon. And these brothers were encouraging, brother, you stay focused on this. We'll take care. You don't worry. You rest at peace and you take care. And that's the reason I'm here. I am standing on these beautiful shoulders of these godly men who, without expecting appreciation, any monetary reward, give themselves to serve you people. And we people don't recognize them. <laughs> we don't even know who does this, all these things. Don't even ask them, Am I, who does this actually? Not even go to them and appreciate, brother, thank you so much for what you do for us. Without you, we cannot function here every Sunday as a church. And then we also see another important responsibility, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. You know, it says here that, Timothy, this is what you have to do. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, in these three passages, you know, what I, what I would like to share with you, Acts 20, 28 says that, elders' responsibility is to watch over the souls, the spiritual welfare of the flock. And they need to be laboring in preaching and teaching. You know what is laboring? In the Greek, laboring means you work hard until complete exhaustion. That's what it means. You work hard. Coolie, you know, you know, coolie pani, we say that, right? They are the coolies of the word. The elders are the coolies of the word. They work hard until exhaustion to preach and teach so that the church would be fed and edified. And also, in 2 Timothy 2, Paul says that you need to train others. It's not just you do that. Now you need to train others to rise up to leadership, rise up to service others, rise up to mentoring others. So the elder's responsibility is to watch over the flock, preach and teach, counsel people, pray for people, visit people, encourage them, and also train the next generation. Now in all these things, how will they be able to do and at the same time manage the physical affairs of the church which are very important? You know what a strenuous job it is to put this Sunday schedule? You need to take the place of that brother who does it. You will be fleeing in one week. <laughs> Honestly. Who does what? And make sure that everyone is doing particularly in order. Sunday schedule. Very difficult task. Did you ever go and thank that brother? Thank you so much for what you do for us. You know what is my great comfort? People are not even grateful to God. So... Doesn't matter if they are grateful, if they are ungrateful to people. God Himself is crying because people don't thank me. So we can be comforted by that. Right? But nobody does that. People come here and preach. Hours and hours they labor and preach every Sunday. And uh, some people will be slumbering. Some people will be just casually listening. Some people will just forget the message right after that. How many go and tell these preachers and pastors who come and preach every Sunday, labor, sweat to teach and educate you? Go and say, brother, thank you for the hard work that you are doing. You know how many of us take it for granted for all the blessings that God has given to us? My goodness, we should learn to be grateful people. You know, in all these things, what I would like to share is this. Elders stand on the shoulders of deacons. I'm so grateful for these wonderful brothers on whose shoulders we stand to care for the spiritual welfare of the church. Without deacons, the burden of physical affairs of the church fall upon the shoulders of elders. Which means, if they get into the physical affairs of the church, they neglect shepherding the flock, they neglect spiritual welfare of the people, they neglect preaching, teaching, counseling, they neglect training other people. And the church is malnourished without this ministry of deacons. You know, Benjamin Merkel, a very good New Testament professor. Now, this is my habit. Any sermon you listen, you will not listen to my sermon without two things. 
the first scripture second without bible scholars that is my habit that is my style that is how i preach and uh, after supporting the scriptures I, i take this because i want to tell you this is not my own interpretation i'm coming up with some kind of innovative idea to tell you i want to I, and i stand on the shoulders of the scholars for interpretation because i don't know original hebrew and greek and i don't want to pretend i am a greek scholar or a hebrew scholar and impress you with my scholarly language when i stand on the shoulders of these godly men who devoted years and years of their lives to study and write commentaries Now Benjamin Merkel a New Testament professor says here that the Bible does not clearly indicate now you need to understand when i say bible scholars it doesn't mean that they take supremacy over the word but they subordinate themselves under the authority of the word of god and affirm what the scripture says okay that's what i tell you know i remember that because there are people who don't read any books who don't read any other thing they just want to uh, simply read the bible and they understand that they can understand the bible well the most dangerous things you can do some of you are coming from churches you don't read anything except the bible and you think that you can understand it well you are insulting the gift of teachers in the body of christ the scripture itself affirms that god has given gifted teachers you know i remember one sitting in my office and a pastor came to visit me and he told me that brother with a very great sense of pomposity he told me that i don't read any one or anything the spirit of god will teach me directly from the word of god and i learn everything at the feet of god i looked at him and said that why don't you expect your people follow you why don't you expect your congregation do exactly what you are doing they don't care about your preaching they don't learn from your exposition of the word they don't read anyone learn from anyone they just read the bible and sit at the feet of the holy spirit and learn they don't even come to church to hear your message how about that silence this guy doesn't want to learn from anyone but he wants to teach everyone and everyone should learn from him that's a sheer arrogance we should learn from the gifted teachers that god has placed in the body of christ benjamin merkel says that the bible does not clearly indicate the function of deacons but based on the pattern established in acts 6 with the apostles and the seven it seems best to view the deacons are servants to do whatever is necessary to allow the elders to accomplish their god given calling of shepherding and teaching the church they carry on the responsibilities of elders in the sense of taking care of physical affairs so that elders would serve the church carefully and concentrate on the spiritual matters of the church and not be distracted you know matt says in his book that if you find a elder who is distracted If you find a church which is under mess and disorganization I'll tell you the reason there are no effective deacons in the church If there are good deacons there will be good leaders if there are good deacons there will be good organization if there are good deacons there are good activities of the church without deacons a church cannot function biblically The second thing that we learn from Acts chapter 6 they are relievers to the elders they are a great support to the elders And the second thing that we see here is that deacons care for the physical needs of the church. Deacons care for the physical needs of the church. Acts 6, 1 to 2, we see here that, you know, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food, taking care, charitable work. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now observe these two synonymous terms, daily distribution of food or serving tables. 
Now, what does it speak about? It speaks about the charity ministry that the church should be active in taking care of the needy members within the local church and beyond. And who will be able to do that? The Bible says deacons can do a better job. Tim Keller, who is a very good pastor and author in New York City, uh, but uh, I don't follow him completely. I have some concerns. But still, he's a very good gospel preacher. And this is what he says. What does a deacon do? He says here that, according to the word of God, he ministers in the name of Jesus among lonely, sick, elderly, orphan, widowed, dying, poor, and deprived people. This is what these people should be doing in the church. Not all people, all deacons, but some are devoted for this. I think we will see some good improvement in this matter as we are seriously considering to enhance the deaconate in the church. But for this, you know, how does it happen? One very good Bible teacher, he says that if, 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 if this should be happening, deacons should be actively involved in interacting with the members to find out who is the needy in the church. A person who is not social, a person who is not proactive, a person who is not in contact with people, in touch with people, talking to them, identifying what their needs are, he cannot be a deacon. And this is a very important responsibility of deacons, which means get into the lives of the people, dirt yourself, so that you would see what the needs of the people are and see how you can minister to them. Very important task that we see. Not even that. In this, you know, what we also understand from Acts chapter 6 is that deacons promote peace and unity in the church. Deacons promote peace and unity in the church. What do we see here in Acts chapter 6? There is a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. There is a complaint. There is a battle between, discord between, division between the Hellenists and the Hebrews. The Jewish converts and, uh, sorry, the Jewish descendancy and also the Greek Hebrews. There is a dispute going on between them. Who came into the picture to resolve the tension? Who brought peace? Who removed the discord and division among them? Deacons. They came at peace and the division was removed by the ministry of deacons. And what do we understand? Now here, all of you who are becoming deacons, and this is very important, deacons must watch out for factors triggering discord and disunity in the church and bring peace. They should watch out who is mumbling, who is grumbling, <laughs> Who is raising concerns against the church? They need to watch out for those people and not they will join them and trigger even more. <laughs> those people are disqualified. That is not what deacons will do. They will listen and say that, my goodness, this is what is happening. They are concerned about there is division and discord in the church and they think about meet together, talk together and see how we can resolve this problem so that division would not spread but peace would come into the picture. They need to see... You know, they need to reconcile interpersonal conflicts among the believers in the church. Right? When you come together, there are conflicts. I often tell you, right, Ecclesia is a messy family. Right? We are all imperfect people. And uh, there will be conflicts. And when these conflicts happen, those who are very gifted deacons or able deacons, they will watch out for those interpersonal conflicts and bring peace so that they will be acting as peacemakers. And sometimes, you know, elders and believers may have tension. Some people don't like what the elders do. 
Some people grumble against elders about the decisions they make and how they lead the church. And when it comes to the notice of deacons, they think about how do I reconcile these elders and believers in the church? How do we act as peacemakers? And there may be some problems arising due to some mismanagement or poor management or weak organization because of which some people are suffering. They watch out for that very cleanly, very, very sharp in that. And they try to bring some resolution to this poor management. And finally, I would like to also share that in this uh, same context that deacons care, take care of church administration. Deacons take care of church administration, such as handling finance, which is a very important ministry of the church. If that goes wrong, we are in big trouble because we have to pay bills. We have to support people. So it's very important that we should have men of integrity in this and uh, let me also tell you that as we believe in the appointment of deacons by the church, the church has the final authority that we see later. If you just come passively, sit over here, warm up the chairs and go, you will be wondering, what do I say about this person when it comes to affirmation? I have seen some people, some of you struggling when it comes to affirmation. I don't know anything about this person. Why are you in the church? To say that I don't know anything about this person? You should know. Your brothers and sisters, when it comes to you know, polity, or when it comes to decision-making, when it comes to affirmation, you should be knowing, man, I know Vinay, is he a man of integrity in finance? I never saw money in his pocket. I, I don't know what to say about him. This is the condition of many believers. Because they just come, attend the programs and leave. You will be amazed in the next sermon, I will tell you what ecclesia means in Greek. You will be amazed. And take very good responsibility. Question elders. You have every authority to question elders. The decision we make, not with an arrogant spirit, not with a divisive spirit, not with a acting smart spirit, which is not good, but with a humble, gentle, sincere spirit. I always have a great appreciation for brothers and sisters in the church who call me and say that, you know, um, Anna, I have a question. Recently, a brother telling me that, uh, Anna, I would like to have an argument and fight on some of the things you are doing. I said, welcome, brother, into the war. I would love to have the discussion. I love that. Sincerely, I'm telling that. I love people who express their concerns. Not simply, you know, nodding their head for anything. Ah, you're, you're super, you're wonderful, you're nice and all. Don't be an ox, okay? Be smart people, intelligent people, reason. In all this, do that with humility and gentleness and love. Not try to prove you are smarter. I know some people who do that, I know how to puncture them. As much as I'm humble to really receive whatever you say, if you act smart, I'm not going to be passive in that. I have to humble you by the grace of God so that people would not take advantage of humility that other people are showing. So I was telling one person this morning that there are two things which are very important for a pastor to maintain. He should be a man of affection and a man of discipline. He should be a serious man and a jovial man. If these two characteristics are not there, then the church will be in trouble. So these people, we see that they handle finance and arrangements for public worship, organizing, monitoring church programs, and executing the decisions of the elders and serving in all specific capacities as the church has need. They do everything to see that church will be functioning well. You know, I would like to say something which is very important here. As we see that, you know, they, they, they manage money, they support administration, organize programs, everything they do, and there is one thing that I would like to tell you here. Okay, now listen carefully. I was also having a misunderstanding on that. But when Matt mentioned this, I was enlightened that. That's the reason, you know, we should always be teachable to become smart. If you want to be a fool, look to yourself to learn. Okay? Matt says this, that 
it is crucial to emphasize that the most effective deacons don't do everything themselves. Are you understanding? The most effective deacons don't do everything themselves. That is not effective deaconate. They are mobilizers. Note how when Dan concludes his reflections on Acts 6. Now listen carefully. When these seven men were chosen, he says that, don't think that they were distributing to thousands of people, only these seven people. That's nonsense. What were they doing? We may therefore assume that the seven did not personally do the distributing, but would have played a coordinating, helping, and overseeing role to ensure none was bypassed. So they were more like managers. They were definitely putting their hands. At the same time, they were more like managers. Now, if you look at the Bible, Jamie Dunlop gives a very good three category of people who will be serving. Now, three people, all are called to ministry, okay? What does the Bible speak about? The imagery, the biblical imagery that all are called to ministry. What is that? What is the biblical imagery the Bible used for the church to convince us, persuade us that all are called to ministry? Very good. Body of Christ. Just as each member is a part and each, each part functions, everyone should function. Now based on that, you know, Jamie gives a very good thing. He says that elders lead ministry. They are the ones who oversee. They lead, they rule, they direct the affairs of the church. That's what elders do. And then he says that deacons facilitate ministry. They, they provide coordination and assistance and help so that the ministry would be facilitated. And then the congregation does the ministry. The congregation does the ministry. So rest of the brothers and sisters don't think that oh, they are the deacons, they will do. You should come and say that, brother, I know what you are doing. You cannot do it alone. Tell us what to do. Are there such men in the church here? Or they want to come just at 10 o'clock and sit here and just go? We have no staff here. We don't have so much of money to appoint staff to do all the work here. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you, whosoever becomes the deacons in the church and deaconesses in the church, go and tell them that I am with you in this sobering responsibility you have to facilitate the ministry in the church in order for elders to function well. We all work together and we stand with you. That is the healthy church that we see portrayed in the word of God. But you know, people... We think that oh, this is a very menial task. But one thing we need to understand, there are great rewards for deacons. The Bible itself says, listen carefully what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 13. 1 Timothy, this comes to my final conclusion of uh, the message today. Uh, what are the rewards for deacons? 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 13. Listen to these rewards. For those who serve well as deacons, there are two rewards mentioned here. You know what are they? They gain a good standing for themselves and are also and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now people believe me, I had to spend some hours to understand what this means. Now if you are smart enough to understand in one reading, please tell me that. Honestly, I don't know how many commentaries I've read, how much I have to do this because I didn't understand what it says. What is good standing? What is great confidence in the faith? Only for this, the whole message that I prepared, equal time took only for this one verse. And I'll solve the problem in one simple statement which would be easier for to understand because that's the reason teachers are preachers are. And you know who is a teacher and a preacher? They co take complicated things and makes it easier for people to understand. 
And this is what it means when we see the deacons mentioned here, the two rewards. When it says that gain a good standing for themselves, gain a good standing for themselves, these deacons, it means that those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from the church family and praise from God in the coming age. People will honor them for what they do for the church. They will gain a good reputation. Now, people, let me tell you, Bible is not against reputation. Bible says that work hard for reputation. But that pursuit should be for the glory of God, not for self-glory and self-attention. But those who, for the glory of God, work hard as deacons, Bible says that they will be special people, recognized people in the church, and they have a good reputation because... Despite their jobs and families that they have, they give themselves unselfishly to serve the body of Christ. And such people are honored. And I'm telling you, no one touches my heart in the church like the people who do the least work in the body of Christ. The best work maybe anyone can do, but the least work, very few people will do. And God recognizes them. And also the church recognizes them. And you know what does it mean? Great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells you that these people will grow deeper in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. God will give them grace to excel in faith. Now, I'm not telling about faith and healing and wealth and you know, prosperity. Have faith and you do whatever you want. That kind of faith I'm not talking about. In knowing God and growing in the Lord when you really work hard. Now let me tell you that if you're a lazy deacon you cannot find this. But if you really give yourself to this ministry of deaconate seriously... God will give you the grace to grow in faith, to grow in your spiritual life, and you will gain a good reputation in the body of Christ. You know, some men in the church, because I don't expect much from the sisters, but some men in the church, I have no respect for them. Although I love them, I don't have any respect for them because they simply come and go. They do nothing for the church. And I just see that these people waste their lives. They only wait for death, and when they die, nobody remembers them. Nobody misses them because they only live for themselves. But people who invest their lives, my goodness, what a great, great encouragement it is. I want to close with what Ron Daniel concludes here. Okay, so please listen carefully. I was so touched to reading this by Ron Daniel, who is a good, a good expository preacher. He says here that men who serve well as deacons obtain a high standing in the faiths. I'll tell you what. There are few people that I respect more in the church than our deacons who serve so selflessly. Practically, they do a lot of manual labor. They set up chairs, clean toilets, vacuum carpets, and shovel snow. They show up early and stay late with a single thought to serve without earthly reward. Their hope is that you can come to church and not have to think about anything besides worshipping, fellowshipping, and receiving the teaching. And what amazes me is the high standing that these men live in the secular world. He's talking about his church. India, people don't do that because of this. Uh, there is no dignity of labor. And they say that, me? I'm a software engineer. What are you talking about? And these guys who do, even janitors who clean the toilets, he says that. And these people, you know who they are? He says that they, they have a great jobs in the secular world. And these people have become servants and janitors for you. These high professional people. He says that among our deacons are a doctor, an engineer, a business owner, and a master surgeon. They receive no respectful greetings, no pay, and no recognition. But their position in my heart and in God's kingdom 
is exalted. Do we see in India churches where doctors and managers come and do, you know, brother, I would like to come and clean here. There was a person, you know, in the church in the past when we were doing all these things. Why should I do these things? I manage so many people in the company here. I would like to really be grateful for the brothers who really do a lot of manual labor every Sunday for us all to come here. And I would like to call Leela here. Leela, please come here. Who is a deacon in the church and who does immense manual labor every Sunday. His wife is pregnant, brothers and sisters. And, I, and, and we don't want to take advantage of that. But the way Madhuri supports him, my goodness, I don't know how she does it. Being, and every time seeing that brother go, you do that. And along with uh, Leela, Dil, please come here. He, he comes voluntarily. Jeevan, please come here. Gautam and Sai, please come forward. We would like to be thankful to you for your great service, manual labor. All others are people are laboring a lot, but these brothers, they do that everything. And Krishna, please come here. Krishna and Leela were there until 1 a.m. yesterday to fix these ACs so that we would not suffer today. So Krishna, please come. And men, we are so grateful to you for your great work to the church. And, uh, and I believe that God will greatly reward you. And we don't want to take any advantage of you because of that. But we are really, really grateful for your service. And I can do what I can do because of you people. And the church is today here only because of you people. So we praise God that for the investment they are doing in the church. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, invest your life in the church. Glorify the name of the Lord. I often tell that the greatest reward that you get in the kingdom of God tomorrow is what you have done for the church. You go and read the Bible carefully. It's not about how much you have earned, how much name, fame, all these things, what you have done for the body of Christ. That's where your greatest reward is. If you read the scripture in the past, I've showed you the scriptures also, a couple of scriptures. Shall we all stand together and uh, praise God for this men and also for the message today and um, pray to the Lord in this matter. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts of deacons in the body of Christ. Lord, it's elders are in the front line of the Lord. They preach, they receive attention, they receive hospitality, they receive offerings, they receive a lot of glory, O Lord. And I believe that along with David Guzik who said that, I think deacons will receive greater rewards than elders because they were not in the limelight. But as shock observes, they work behind the scene. And Lord, we feel ashamed that many of us don't recognize this man who work hard, leaving their wives on Saturdays and children coming here to help the church when they can be with their wives and take care of the children, which is very important. They should not neglect their families also. But at the same time, they take some time to help us. And we are so grateful for these deacons and also the brothers who are helping deacons in this manual labor in arranging every Sunday alone. We are so grateful to you for them. And we believe that the reward will be great in the kingdom of God and, and these men will become mighty men of God. And we praise you, O Heavenly Father, for their good work that they are doing. And also thank you for the rest of the brothers, O Lord. Uh, 
Uh, they may not be doing manual labor, but other, other brothers are there, sisters are there who are working behind the scene. We are so grateful to you for them also. And uh, we pray that uh, you appoint a Lord, you lead the church to appoint your men and women in the church to become deacons and may they serve the church. Help us all to be led by the Holy Spirit. Help us all to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We give you all glory, honor, and praise for the ministry of deacons and also for these uh, godly men who pour their lives so that we can conveniently gather every Sunday and enjoy fellowshipping and worshiping the Lord. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com you may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com. I repeat, c-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-d-a-v-i-d at g-m-a-i-l dot c-o-m. Grace and peace be to you.